Well, uh, as I was driving here tonight with my son, Mark, who you saw over there, I, you know, it kind of made me second-guess my attire. I'm like, man, you're wearing a suit to church? Do we do that on the West Coast? I don't know. You're making me look bad. Um, but so good to be here with you this evening to celebrate Christmas Eve and Christmas and tomorrow and, and all that this time of year is. And as a congregation, we've been uh, kind of trying something new. I mean, I shouldn't say it's new. It's just, we've made a concerted effort of a, as a congregation this year to really enter into the season of Advent. And so we've had daily emails that have gone out to anyone who signed up for those uh, with scripture reading, with uh, activities and prayers that you can do with your family. And so it's, it's been really a great thing. You know, people assume, like the pastor's family, that we have devotions every night. That, that, that Mark, does that happen? No, it doesn't happen. No. But it's been really good. This, this, this year we have. Uh, we've kind of started out each day or tried to start each day with our scripture readings just to get into this really sacred rhythm. And you'll notice that Advent readings and scriptures they're not always warm and fuzzy. In fact, a lot of them are pretty melancholy. They're kind of depressing. They're not Bible verses that inspire Hallmark films. But they do, they do inspire longing. For millennia, Christians have had a prayer, Come, Lord Jesus. It's like the song we just sang a minute ago. Come, thou long-expected Jesus. Because we wait, even as people living in the 21st century we wait for Jesus' second advent when he's going to come back and finish what he started at the first advent. And we all can, can feel that sense of anticipation, that sense of excitement this time of year. Um, but I, I, what I meant to say is that's advent, right? Now it's Christmas. The wait's over. Yeah, woo. the wait's over. Jesus is here. Now we shift gears, and we're used to this in the last 18 months, right? The emotional roller coaster. We go from anticipation and longing to excitement and joy and celebration. Is that something you feel today? Is that something you feel tonight? I know uh, for all that we've been through in the last almost two years now, for some of us, we're ready, like Yes, give me something that I can enjoy or that I can have joy or I want to lean into that. I am ready to celebrate. And for others of us, man, it's been hard. There's, there's been loss. There's been change. There's been grief. There's been so much. So what I want for us tonight is for us to take a look at that first Christmas once again. Because I really think there are things that happen there that we can internalize, that we can take home that will help us to experience hope and even joy this year. So I want to read for you again. And you'll notice, I mean, there's a strategy here. You, you, this is going to be the third time you're hearing We're drilling this in. I want to read for you, to, you again a passage of that scripture that we've heard two times already from Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 8, go to verse 11. And uh, we'll put it up on the screen for you. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today 
In the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Well, what God did that night, 2,000 years ago, completely flipped the world upside down. It flipped the world upside down, this dramatic departure of God from the way that things used to be between God and people. And the first clue that we have from this Jesus story, this birth narrative, is that angels don't appear to just anyone. Amen? I mean, I know there's some of you here There's like, oh yeah, I see angels all the time, right? <laughs> How many of you? No, don't tell me. <laughs> angels don't appear to just anyone, and especially not to a bunch of farmhands out in some small rural town. This is strange. But you know, it's even more surprising out of this whole event that we read about in the Gospels is that this phrase, the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, I mean, I, you imagine yourself, in the, you, see this, or you see this happening, we've seen it in the movies, you know, it's, it's the angels and there's this giant bright light, this heavenly host out in front of them, but it's out there, isn't it? That's actually not what the biblical text says. The glory of the Lord shone around them. It's terrifying, isn't it? I mean, this is God's glory. It's known as the Shekinah glory. This is the surest sign of God's presence uh, anywhere. And there's only one place, there's only one place that this happens, and, and, and it's in Jerusalem. It's always associated with the temple. The temple is the meeting place between heaven and earth. It's the, it's the place between the divine and the human. And so here's God's glory that's not shining in a temple. It's shining on a farm, which is proof. Places like eastern Washington, places like Iowa, where I grew up, I mean, they're God's country, amen? <laughs> right? It's right here, right in the Bible. But in all seriousness, this would have been completely backwards, totally black, backwards from anyone, what they would have expected, uh, anyone would have expected at that time. Because that just doesn't happen there. You go up to meet God. That's where people went to worship. They went up. They, they climbed the mountain. I mean, even in the Bible, Moses, he goes up to meet God. And in fact, he stands in God's glory, and it's like one of those little, those glow-in-the-dark toys that you hold up to the light, you know, and then for a minute it shines on. So that's what it was like for Moses. He would come down from these meetings, and he, his face would be glowing. I'm not making this up. This is, this is in Exodus. His face would be glowing. It would freak people out. They asked him to cover it up. Moses, please cover your face. That's terrifying. <laughs> Spending time in God's presence. But people always go up. Elijah, same story. He went up to meet God. Um, the, the temple is built on the temple mount. You go up to Zion. That's where people meet God. And so what's weird about this whole story is that here in Bethlehem, it's the other way around. 
Here God's presence has come down to surround a group of lonely shepherds out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, what's happening? What's happening is a, a fundamental change in how God relates to people, to you and me. In fact, Christians, you know, we even mark time based on this moment. There's everything that happened before Christ was born, and then there's everything that happened after Christ was born. And uh, this moment when God's glory shines around a group of shepherds is, is simply stunning. And it's fair to ask, like, why? Why now? Why this place? Why these shepherds? What's happening? And the answer to that question is actually found in just the people who are the people standing there in that field on that evening, the shepherds. Because shepherds, you know, are they're shepherds, right? I mean, that's never been real high in any societies like, oh, wow, you're a shepherd. I'm so proud of you, right? And, you know, we, we kind of probably give the shepherds a hard time. They, they would have been very blue-collar, hard workers, but also very poor and also very inconsequential. You know, if I'm God and I'm going to announce the birth of my son or I'm going to come down to earth, I'm, I'm not going to go to a group of shepherds. I'm going to show up to Caesar Augustus. I'm going to show up to the, the emperor, the governor, the high priests, the wealthy business leaders in Jerusalem. I mean, somebody somewhere, but not a bunch of shepherds. But this is what we misunderstand about God. You see, God cares, loves even, even almost especially so, the lowly, the outcast, the marginalized, the left behind, the left out, the left for dead. Those are the people that God especially cares for. And so he made a a point on Christmas. His first announcement that he'd come to earth was to a group of shepherds in the field. Well, the truth is that, you know, throughout human history, there really hasn't been anyone worthy to climb God's holy mountain. So, God decided to come down. He decided to come down with us. He went from being the above us God out there to the with us God down here. Jesus was the start of something new. And like all new things, when they start, they're kind of scary. You know, over the last... I keep saying year plus, but now we're getting almost to two years before the pandemic began. And, and most of us, uh, we've had to learn so many new things. You know, we've had to reinvent the way that we went about work. We had to reinvent the way that we went about school. Uh, we had to learn new ways of relating to one another, whether that was uh, online on, over Zoom or whether that was over the fence or some other way. Uh, some of us have had new jobs since the start of the pandemic. We've had new schedules and rhythms and things to worry about like 17 different times during the course of the pandemic. Amen? We're still learning. New. 
And this last week, I realized that there's a phrase, uh, I used to hear people say, maybe not all the time, but you'd hear, you'd hear people say it. And I mean, I can't think of the last time that I heard someone walk up and say, hey, what's new? Right? How would you answer that? The same way I would. Like, everything, right? Everything for everybody. You don't have to ask what's new. It's all new, all the time. And we're sick of it, right? All these changes, they're too much. They're overwhelming. Praise God, it's slowed down at least a little bit over the last couple months. But man, it's been tough. And it's made me real, or it's made me realize that while there is a time and season for predictable routines, for schedules, for disciplines, I mean, I've been trying to build those back into my life because they, you know, things like exercise and whatever, you know, like need to get back on this uh, treadmill once again, literally. But occasionally, we just have to throw up our hands and welcome what's new. Because you know what? God often uses the messed up, um, discombobulated, pineapple upside down cake moments in our life to break through, to get our attention. Just like he has with the shepherds here. And whenever that happens to me, and I've heard other people say the same thing, you know, that could be scary. It's scary. In fact, I invite you to think just for a moment. Like, what scares you right now? What, what has you filled with dread or feeling uncomfortable or loaded with anxiety? Could this be a moment where God's trying to break through to you? You know, where you just throw up your hands and say, okay, I give up, God. Help me out here. It can be scary. You know, when the shepherds encounter the angel of the Lord, when they're surrounded by God's glory, it says they're very afraid. They're terrified. Not surprising. I mean, we like to imagine angels as cute little cherubs, right? But maybe they're cute little cherubs with, like, fire coming out of their eyes. I don't know. All I know is that when I read the Bible, anybody who encounters angels, they're terrified, okay? They're scared out of their wits, And uh, if you read this passage in the Old King James Version, verse 9 goes like this. I think we have it for you to read on the screen. And lo, that's scary right there, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were what? Sore afraid. Sore afraid? What? is sore afraid. I mean, that's a pretty amazing description, I think. You know, it's, it's like, I think it's like, you're so afraid, every muscle is tensed up in your body, and it hurts, right? You can feel it in your bones. You can't fall over. You can't run away. You are terrified. The, the words for fear right here, um, they actually, if, if you kind of draw them into the English language, like um, it's phobeomai, so like phobia would come from that word. That's how terrified they were. When you translate this into English, you can't even find the words because it's something like they were terrified mega terror. 
I guess it means they were scared. Or in the King James, they were sore afraid, right? They were terrified mega terror. But then the angel says to them, what? Don't be afraid. No problem. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. And when you read it in the Greek, it's this nice little bookend because it says they were terrified, mega terror. I got good news that's going to bring you mega joy. What's the good news? Jesus, a Savior, has been born to you. Not just to you individually, that's you all. A Savior has been born to you all. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus being born, but also there's a sense of this divine, this colossal trade being offered to you and me. It's the trade of great fear for great joy. You and I can hear the angel's invitation, don't be afraid, if we're willing to receive the good news of Christ being born. It's incredible, actually. I mean, that's what we're doing this Christmas, every Christmas. We're trading our fear for joy. I don't know how that strikes you. Because, you know, sometimes I like to cultivate things to be scared of. Maybe, it's, maybe that's not the things to be scared of, but it's the insecurities. It's the question marks. It's the, the uncertainties that just kind of gnaw away. The things that... You, that in the middle of the night when you wake up, the hamster is going on that mental wheel and it's thinking up, it's inventing things for you to be worried about. I, maybe it's just me. But God invites us to voluntarily give them up, to surrender them, even our whole self to him, and with us all the baggage that we carry because our Savior is here. Savior means deliverer, it means uh, rescuer, means someone who's going to set us free. And you know, people who feel stuck or out of options or out of hope, maybe, maybe you need to hear the news that's out there, that there's one who can deliver you. He's our Savior. He's the anointed one the Messiah, the Christ. He's Jesus. And only he can bring us new life. You know, as a pastor, whenever I talk about these things, it, always, it just sounds too simple, right? Like, oh, okay. I'll pray that Jesus is my Savior, and then what? I wake up tomorrow, and everything's the same. Maybe, but maybe not. You see, the power of God that's alive in Jesus is also alive in the Holy Spirit, which comes to fill you when you throw up your hand and say, I quit. I give up. I'm sick of trying to do this and win this on my own. It's not working. I need you, God. I need to try something new. 
And when we open ourselves in those moments, or in that moment to God, he comes and he fills us with his power. So that when you wake up the next morning and all the troubles are the same, those didn't change. But guess what? You did. You changed. You can change. God wants to create a process of change in your life that starts now. I was talking with someone um, just last night, and they reminded me of a very important thing to do as a follower of Christ, and it's to pray. But it's when you pray, when you have those moments that you're afraid or you're anxious or there's something on your mind, that's the trigger. When you start, and you, when you feel that and you sense that and the tension is starting to grip you, that's when you pray, Lord, can't do this on my own. Or Jesus, I invite you in. Please come now. Come, Lord Jesus. These are prayers that we can pray all the time. And even as a pastor, true confession, I forget. I forget. But when I remember... When I hear that invitation of God to trade the fear for joy, I do it. Lord Jesus, don't be afraid. There's good news. It's in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, at Christmas time, we celebrate Jesus, God himself, coming down to us. And you know, in the history of the world, there's a lot of babies that have gone on to become kings. But there's only once that a king has become a baby. That's what we believe. That's what we celebrate. That's who we celebrate. The remarkable birth of Jesus Christ. And man, my prayer is that no matter how hopeful or hopeless, how able or helpless, how confident or anxious you might feel right now, that you'll remember, that you'll pray to the one who's come down to us and who offers us this trade of fear for joy that will put our faith and our hope in him. Amen?